You are listening to the New Vision Church Podcast, a community to belong, be loved, and believe. Good morning, New Vision. It's uh, good to be with you today, and I just want to say thanks to Rick for filling in for me last week. Uh, I had a terrible, terrible cough, and uh, now the cough is pretty much gone, but my voice and uh, uh, throat still have some congestion there. Uh, So thanks for your prayers. Uh, But today we're going to look at um, the message that I would have preached uh, last week, I'm going to preach for you today, uh, from what I am calling the other 316. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, 11 through 18 is the passage we're going to cover today. And I want you to think about uh, some of the things that we talked about last time, a couple of weeks ago, from, from John 316. Uh, the same author, John, wrote the Gospel of John as well as 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and uh, Revelation. You know, John was known as the beloved apostle, not because Jesus loved him more than the others. Uh, God loves us all the same. Um, but maybe John had like a, a special and unique relationship with Jesus in that uh, he got to spend more time with him than a lot of the other disciples. He was always in the inner circle with Peter and James. Um, <clears throat> he, he was known to be sitting close to and even reclining onto Jesus when they would eat, which was typical for them to, to eat that way. And, um, and so, you know, the beloved apostle has a lot to say about love. Uh, in, in all of his writings, you can uh, see how he points to this aspect of, of God's character and, um, and this element of love uh, repeatedly. And today we're going to look at uh, 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 uh, through 18. Let me start here. It says, For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Okay, Not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother, and for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So, right off the bat here, John has given us this um, illustration of what love really looks like. That love doesn't look like murdering. Love doesn't look like killing. Love doesn't look like, you know, hatred. Um, And, you know, when we look at our world and our society today, uh, I would say this this is a now message, right? It's not a new message, but it is a now message. And the reason I say it's not a new message is because this is something we've all heard time and time again, that the Bible says we should love one another. Jesus says we should love one another. Uh, God is love. God wants us to love one another. And yet, just the other day, I heard a story, crazy story, of how someone like was pulling out a weapon uh, at, a, at a fast food place because the person didn't put their biscuits in the, in the box. Uh, it's like, are you kidding me? This is crazy. Um, and so here we have uh, an illustration of Cain uh, killing Abel, and it's not that Cain's uh, problem was, you know, that he had a rock in his hand. No, he had evil in his heart, and that's what led to a rock in his hand. And this is what we've got to understand about violence in our world today. A lot of people are going to say, well, you know, it's, it's a weapons issue or it's this or that issue. No, the, the issue is it's sin in our heart. That is the issue. And it's not just with violence. It's with everything. Whatever, whatever um, the, the world is uh, dealing with, like culturally, uh, politically, whatever it is, 
Um, all of these things can be traced back to a root problem of sin in our hearts. And so, no matter what law, right, is put into place, this is kind of what John is, is getting to here. He, he's like, no matter what law you have, if you don't have the law of love in your life, then no other law is going to succeed. It doesn't matter. You know, you can try to regulate all these things, you know, with different laws in our country or other countries. But if the law of love doesn't reign in your heart, if, if Christ, if God, who is love, is not reigning in your life, no other law is going to succeed. <clears throat> he goes on and he says this, Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So he starts out by saying, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when people are surprised, I guess, by how you respond or how you react or how you choose to demonstrate love. Um, and don't be surprised when they have extreme hatred for you for showing love, for um, doing the right things. You know, we live in a world right now where it is. It's kind of up is down and down is up and inside is out and outside is in. I mean, we've kind of gone through this whole thing of, of <clears throat> changing everything, you know. And what was once known is now unknown. And the world uh, is really trying to redefine everything. Uh, and it's important for Christians to understand that people who are apart from God, people who do not know God, uh, cannot and will not act in a way that is godly. And so he says, don't be surprised when the world is hating you, hating on you. In fact, that should be a confirmation to you that you are doing what God wants you to do. So, so we should actually be rejoicing when the world is hating on us because it's an indication that we are actually walking with God. We don't belong to the world. We belong to Him. And this is why we're getting all this hate. But we're not supposed to hate back. We don't, we don't return evil for evil. And so, God's love brings life where there was death. This verse tells us that, right? He says, we know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. That when we actually show love to others, it's an indication that we are no longer dead, but alive. See, the love of God changes people, changes places, changes things. The love of God in us and through us should be evidenced in our actions and our deeds. And it can actually change the future when we forgive the past. All of these things are supposed to be indicative of a Christian. That, that we, we don't go around just saying we're Christians. Actually, our actions should be letting others know that we are Christian because of how we act and live and love differently. He goes on and he says this, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart to, against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. So John is telling us here, right, this, this other 316, that if you remember in the gospel, John 316, that God, he so loved the world that he gave his only son. And what 
John, 1 John 3 is telling us is that in the same way, if we are God's children, then we should be willing to lay down our lives, that we should be willing to give just like our Father has given. And so if we want to know what love is, we have to look at Jesus. If we want to truly demonstrate what love is, we have to model ourselves after Jesus. Too many people are looking at themselves to try to define love or they try to redefine what love is or how, you know, their truth or, or um, their belief is right or better. And so people are changing, you know, their names, they're changing their identities, they're changing the way they, they live, they're redefining what the Bible says, and, and we, we don't have the right to do that, right? What God has said um, is, is absolute truth. And so Jesus <clears throat> has come to change us. It's not us changing ourselves, it's when we receive the love of God, He indwells us through the Holy Spirit who comes to live inside of us. It's not something we can do ourselves. It's something that happens to us. And because of that, right, it changes us in the way that we look at ourselves, the way we look at God, and the way we look at others. The way we look at our life is completely different. John says the ultimate example of love is laying down your life for your brother because that's what Jesus did. Right In John 15, Jesus says there's no greater love than this that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And so for us, when we think about the other 316, this is what we are called to do as well, that we should be willing to lay down our lives for the love of other people. And because God loved, God gave, right? John 3.16 again. And now... In 1 John, right, we're being told that, well, if you love, you should give as well. You, you can't say that you love and you see a brother in need and you just ignore that. You can't say that you love and you have the means to assist or to help and you just ignore it and overlook it. Laying down our lives looks like giving up our goods. It looks like making sacrifices. It looks like surrendering what we would want for ourselves because we don't need it to give to someone else who truly does need. But I want you to understand this, that doing good doesn't always feel good. You know, sometimes we, uh, <clears throat> we, we just want to feel good about what we're doing. And um, it would be great if we always felt good. Uh, I've spent this last week not feeling great. But you know what? There were certain things I still had to do even though I didn't feel like doing it. This is the part of being a responsible adult. How much more should we be responsible Christian adults? And sometimes we have to do things that don't always feel good to us. Um, in fact, let me ask you this question, quite honestly. Do you think it felt good for Jesus to go to the cross? Of course not. That's a ridiculous thought. I mean, there's, there's, there's no way that he avoided pain and suffering. In fact, it's through the pain and suffering by which we are healed. You see, the love of God isn't selfish. It's not just looking and saying, well, I, I'll do it as long as I feel good about it. Now, sometimes you have to do good even though it doesn't always feel good to you. What we have to be willing to do is willing to sacrifice for others, and sometimes that's going to be painful. Sometimes that's going to hurt. Um, and, and in fact, I would say this, that a lot of times we don't give until it hurts. 
we, we give as long as it feels good, as long as it's easy. But if that's the case, we're just giving out of excess. We're just giving out of our abundance. It, it's it's the, the widow's might, right? You remember that story in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44? Let me, let me read it to you here. It says, And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, <clears throat> which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. When you think about that, right? When we give, typically we're giving out of our excess. What would it be like for us to truly give until it hurts? Give in such a way that we're making a sacrifice. God's been good to all of us. And if we're gonna if we're gonna really truly love like God, um, I would submit it's probably gonna hurt us sometimes. It's probably gonna be a little painful. God's probably gonna ask us for some things that maybe we don't want to give. God gave his one and only son. And we, you know, we're usually giving one of many. Not children. We're giving one of many dollars. We're giving one of many resources. And how precious is God's gift, right? That he gave his one and only. And for us, we're typically giving and not even thinking about it, quite honestly. Sometimes, you know, we don't, we don't really think about what we're putting into the offering plate or what we're giving to another person. We're just kind of doing it to ease our conscience. We're not really thinking about why someone would be in this kind of need. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you to, to maybe think a little bit differently about how you're giving, about the other John 3.16. He goes on, and I'll wrap up with these verses. He says, we know this, <clears throat> we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. You see, we know that God wants us to love our brothers and sisters. And part of loving each other is making sure that we're intentional. This is our word for the year, right? That we're caring for and serving each other. This is part of God's plan for each of our lives, that we would truly, truly live out the other John 3.16. So would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for being the perfect demonstration and illustration of love to us. God, that you gave us your one and only son, that we could have eternal life. And I pray, God, that you would help us to be like you in loving and giving, serving. Lord, even if it hurts, God, that we would be willing to make sacrifices for those around us. God, that we would be willing to, to give until it hurts. Lord, to, to do things that are uncomfortable, to do things that would truly benefit other people. 
And Lord, help us to do it with a, a cheerful heart. God, not grudgingly, but Lord, out of a heart of compassion and true love for them and for you. Again, God, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you soon.